0: there are multiple young victims and they are spread across uh, ontario
1: accused of using social media to lure and exploit children tonight what police are saying about this man and his alleged crimes good evening the details are horrific and the allegations are deeply disturbing
2: toronto police say they've laid nearly 100 charges in a child sex assault investigation all of them against one man ctv's austin delaney joins us now austin this is incredibly disturbing
3: uh, it is so disturbing just because of the ages of the boys and girls involved. They age, they age between 7 and 17. The Toronto Police Sex Crimes Unit wants parents and young people to take a close look at this man. He is 31-year-old Daniel Langdon and he is facing a slew of sex-related charges against boys and girls aged between 7 and 17. Police say his Toronto home was raided last month after they were made aware of a sexual assault and luring investigation in Thunder Bay. Several
0: electronic devices were seized from the address allegedly containing evidence connected to the luring and sexual assault incident in Toronto, sorry, in Thunder Bay along with a large quantity of child abuse sexual material.
3: That discovery led Toronto Police to lay 96 charges against Langdon, including 39 counts of sexual assault, 39 counts of sexual interference, 5 counts of make child pornography, 2 counts of possession of child pornography, 2 counts of access child pornography, luring 8 counts of administer a nauseous substance. They found evidence of sexual offences that took place both online and in person between April 2021 and last month.
0: One alleged incident involved a seven-year-old victim who was sexually assaulted at a Toronto park.
3: Police allege Langdon would alter his image to look younger than his 31 years and would go online using these various social media and dating apps along with a host of different handles and email addresses. Police want you to see if you recognize any of his images or handles saying they believe there are other victims.
0: Now we know that coming forward isn't always easy but we are asking anyone that may have interacted with him or anyone that may have any information to contact the police as soon as you can.
3: Investigators won't say how many young victims there are, only that they are multiple and spread across the province. He was known to Toronto Police facing similar child
2: pornography charges back in 2016. Reporting live, I'm Austin Delaney. All right, thank you, Austin. Coming up, how to keep your kids safe from online predators, the new ways children are targeted, and what parents need to know to protect them some developing news from North York.
1: And a troubling situation involving a firearm that forced two separate Toronto schools into lockdown. CTV John Musselman is at the scene near Finch and Weston. John, we understand the emergency task force was involved here.
4: Well, Michelle, there were some tense moments here uh, for staff and students at St. Basil, the great school, and also for the neighbours here in this neighbourhood. We're actually now near Shepherd and Weston Road, and it started because uh, somebody witnessed somebody with a gun in the neighbourhood. Members with the Toronto Police Emergency Task Force searched the backyards of a number of homes in this neighbourhood near Weston Road and Finch. It started as a gun call that forced three area schools into lockdown, including St. Basil the Great High School on Starview Lane. Students say a man with a gun was seen behind the school pointing it at another man. They did not appear to be students. We opened the doors to the gym and we could actually see what was happening out there. What was happening? Uh, there was like a guy with a gun
5: and he was and then another guy on like on the ground pointing at the gun at someone else. What happened next? Um the, the gym teacher closed the door and everyone rushed in the boys
4: change room.
6: As soon as the teacher opened the door, he shut it right away and then told us to run.
4: Whereabouts were the people with the gun? In the, behind the school?
6: Behind the school in the student parking lot.
4: Oh okay. And then he said just told you guys to run. Just run. Police say two suspects were later arrested near Emory Collegiate. That school is located just north of St. Basil. Police were searching for a third suspect. Neighbors say they saw a man running through backyards, but he got away before police could find him. The all-clear was issued a short time later. Students at St. Basil were finally released just after 4.30 this afternoon. A Toronto Police duty inspector on scene tells CTV News this was actually a Peel Police investigation and Toronto Police were called in for support. There were no other details provided. And a resident just south of the school says she picked up a suspect on her doorbell camera, security camera. She's handed that over to police. I believe that's the man who was hiding in the neighbourhood here after the uh, students had seen the person with a gun near the school. Reporting live, I'm John Musselman. I'll send it back to you.
1: Thank you, John. Turning now to a story taking place thousands of kilometres away, but still hitting close to home for many in our community.
2: Crews in northern Greece are searching for survivors following an overnight train disaster that killed dozens of people. CTV's Paul Workman reports on their efforts tonight.
7: The search for bodies and survivors grew more intense in daylight, in a jumble of burned out and buckled wreckage. The trains collided with such force that the two lead passenger cars were obliterated. The Greek Prime Minister rushed to the scene from Athens, where the passenger train originated. We are talking about an unspeakable tragedy, he said, and I guarantee we will find out what happened. The trains collided just before midnight. Many of the victims were university students, heading home at the end of a long carnival weekend. Some passengers were thrown through the windows, others had to pry themselves out as the cars jackknifed into a field and ignited. We were turning over in the wagon until we fell on our sides, he said. There was panic and fire. The fire was immediate. I remember feeling a sharp breaking and then suddenly seeing sparks and flame on both sides of the window. Today is a truly sad day, said the transport minister, who resigned several hours later. The two trains were traveling on the same track for several kilometers on a rail system with the worst safety record in Europe. Officials are already blaming human error, and the local station master where the crash happened has been arrested.
2: Paul Workman, CTV News, London. Toronto's home to one of the world's largest Hellenic populations outside of Greece, and that's where we find our Janice Golding tonight, who's been gathering reaction to this tragedy. Janice.
8: Hi, Nathan. The tragic news has spread around the globe, and people here on the Danforth, with roots overseas, have been expressing both their sympathy and their concern today. Leonidas Chocolates on the Danforth may be thousands of kilometers away from Greece, but a horrific train crash in their homeland was weighing heavily on many customers' minds today.
3: I'm Greek, and I feel sorry for young people. There was all university students.
8: It's sad. It's sad for the families. It's sad for the system. The trains, how they collided, maybe the timing was bad or whatever it was, nobody knows. Andreas Christopoulos, meanwhile, kept checking his phone for updates this afternoon.
5: I was worried just in case I know somebody on the part of uh, Greece, but uh, so far everything is okay with my family.
8: Across the street at Athens Bakery, the head-on collision between a freight train and a passenger train was also top of mind.
9: Sometimes things happen, you know, when you fly in the airplane or you travel with a car or you just just happen like it shouldn't be happening, let's say. And and it's, it's very sad for all Greece and Greek people.
8: Meanwhile, at Atlantis Restaurant, staff speculated on the casualties while waiting to learn more about what's being described as the country's worst ever rail crash.
5: It's a common thing that they do in Greece, they take kids on trips for for vacation or to to see uh, sites either within the country or uh, surrounding countries.
8: Over at Skyway Tours, agent Anatoly Kozma said so far none of her clients have reported any injuries. There are some of our clients that will go from Athens to Thessaloniki with the train because it's cheaper than the airplane and thank God nobody called us to tell us that something happened. Cosma was at home with her grandmother when the news broke. Thank God everybody in my family is fine, but uh, she was very shocked until we called everybody and made sure because uh, I have friends who live in both cities in Athens and Thessaloniki. Despite living so far away, the ties which bind many in Toronto's Greek town to family and friends overseas are very strong, with those we spoke to saying their thoughts and prayers are with those who have lost loved ones. In addition to expressing sympathy, people we spoke to today were asking questions, wanting to know why and
1: how this tragedy could have occurred. Reporting live, from Janice Golding. Now back to Michelle. Thank you, Janice. A live look at the city tonight. Skaters at Nathan Phillips Square enjoying a pleasant evening. It's March 1st. That means meteorological spring has started. But you know the old saying about March, better prepare for a month of a wild month of weather. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at the current conditions. Uh, nice today, but we know there's more snow to come. Come on.
10: Yeah, you know, Friday is probably going to be proof of that wild weather we sometimes get in the month of March, but let's talk about uh, something that might be positive for some. It is 6 degrees currently in Windsor. It was 8 just a couple of minutes ago, 4 degrees in Niagara Falls, and 1 in Toronto. We've been dealing with a gusty easterly wind today, so that's been making it feel a little bit cooler. There's been a few flurries in some areas. It was lovely to see some late day sun, and through the night tonight, we do have a risk of freezing drizzle along with a couple of flurries. But of course, after tomorrow, all eyes will be on Friday and this next big storm, we know that it's going to impact us here in southern Ontario. There is still low confidence when it comes to the exact track of this low, but we'll give you an idea of the timing of its arrival and how much snow we could be in for coming up in your weather forecast. For now, though, Nathan, over to you.
2: All right, thank you, Lindsay. Toronto police say a suspect wanted in connection with a violent incident on the TTC has turned himself in. On February 19th, investigators say an assault took place at Bloor-Young Station. The victim fell onto the subway tracks. They issued a warrant for 42-year-old Terrence Hilly on several counts, including assault and failure to comply with a probation order. Police say Hilly surrendered to police with 53 Division on Sunday. He's already appeared in court.
1: Two people were sent to hospital following a residential fire in the city's East End this afternoon. It happened on the ninth floor of a high rise near Victoria Park and Steeles Avenue just after 1.30. Paramedics say the victims are in stable condition and fire crews are investigating the cause of this blaze. There is criticism tonight over the Ford government's recent spending habits, but it's not for what you may think.
2: New information suggests the PCs have been holding on to public funds a little too tightly, and there are concerns it's hurting some core services. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now. Siobhan, this is related to data from Ontario's fiscal watchdog.
11: This is a check the Financial Accountability Officer does every quarter. Dollars budgeted versus dollars spent. The FAO is getting concerned about how big the gap between those two things has been. The provincial government spent more public dollars through the first three quarters of this fiscal year, but not as much as it had budgeted.
0: Spending 5% less than expected is unusual compared to the recent historical average of 2.7%.
11: The Financial Accountability Office says through December 31st, the government shelled out $1.2 billion less than planned on health care, about half of that from unspent cash in the COVID-19 response program. Education spending was $844 million lower than budgeted, including $396 million less on childcare because of a slow rollout of the $10 a day program. Fire, fire. The government spent $1.2 billion less than planned on metro links and municipal infrastructure.
0: And that's a perpetual thing. Um, because it's always hard to predict how projects will go.
12: And COVID certainly wrecked project schedules in a big way.
11: The FAO doesn't have information about which projects got less money.
12: It is a snapshot in time.
11: The government insists this report isn't the whole story.
12: The payments to hospitals or payments to, uh, you know, education board, school boards, uh, not all of those are captured. The NDP sees
11: it a different way. This is a pattern, not a snapshot. The opposition is troubled by what the FAO has said is a larger than usual contingency fund. They are
6: squirreling away this money at the expense of Ontarians. It is unethical, it's irresponsible, and ultimately it will actually end up costing us more money down the line. For the Green Party leader,
11: the underspend on health care is especially troubling.
0: Fiscally irresponsible and completely outrageous when you have a health care system that is clearly in crisis. Peter
11: Weltman explains governments can't legally spend more than budgeted, but doesn't think this rate of underspending is good for transparency.
0: The reason I get a little hung up on this is because, again, it's the people's representatives improving the people's money to be spent.
11: Peter Weltman says there can be totally reasonable explanations for why a government might spend less than it budgeted. For example, in a very warm winter, you'd spend less on an electricity bill subsidy program. But he says the government should be explaining that difference.
1: Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Siobhan. Coming up, a new digital way to track criminal activity in your neighbourhood, keeping you aware and more secure. How the free service works, just ahead.
2: Ontario's still considering it, but two more provinces are now banning TikTok on their government-issued devices. Nova Scotia is joining a growing group of jurisdictions taking action. The province says TikTok's data collection methods make users vulnerable to surveillance. Saskatchewan is also banning the Chinese owned app, following Alberta, Quebec, the federal government, and the city of Calgary. There have been similar moves in the U.S., Europe, and several other countries.
1: In Ottawa, a parliamentary committee questioned federal security officials today about foreign meddling in Canada's elections. It comes as the Trudeau government is being pressured to explain what it's doing about it.
13: How many times was the Prime Minister briefed about Beijing's interference? in the 2019 and 2021 elections.
10: Uh, The Prime Minister would have been briefed on foreign interference in the elections multiple times between
1: 2019 and 2021 and 2022. Uh, We will
10: endeavor to get you those dates.
1: The government's national security and intelligence advisor told MPs today the last two federal elections were fair and legitimate. The RCMP also testified that there are currently no investigations underway related to election interference. Still, calls persist for an independent inquiry, but the prime minister is still resisting that.
4: I think... One of the most important things to remember is we have an awful lot of mechanisms that are underway right now around uh, determining what kind of foreign interference has happened, is continuing to happen, and demonstrating the tools we have.
1: Federal officials say foreign interference has been attempted, but insist the government is taking concrete steps to strengthen Canada's institutions and ensure those responsible face consequences.
2: Meanwhile, a new poll suggests a majority of Canadians think China tried to interfere in the past two federal elections. The Angus Reid survey shows 65 percent of respondents believe Beijing definitely tried or probably did interfere. Only six percent answered a definitive no. Fifty three percent of those asked said Ottawa's response has not been strong enough. Sixty nine percent said they agree the Trudeau government is afraid to stand up to China. The pandemic no doubt exposed many problems in our long-term care system. And with that, the federal government promised to find ways to improve quality of care for seniors.
1: Today, officials pointed towards a new set of national standards, but the recommendations are not mandatory. CTV's Mike Walker explains why.
13: COVID-19 exposed the systemic problems in long-term care homes with alarming outbreaks and death tolls.
1: Good morning everyone.
13: Today the federal government reaffirmed its support for new voluntary national standards.
1: They will help ensure that seniors, no matter where they live, receive quality care that is rooted in dignity and respect.
13: The updated standards were released by the Health Standards Organization earlier this year. It includes at least four hours of direct care per resident every day, better infection protocols, clear guidelines for family visits, and better standards for construction and renovations. Which provide guidance for delivering services that are safe, reliable, and most importantly centered on residents' needs. Dr. Samir Sinha chaired the committee that developed the standards after seeking input from 20,000 people, including families and frontline workers. You look across Canada, there are very few jurisdictions. There's no jurisdiction that's currently providing four hours of resident care per day and when you understaff a home it's hard to actually have staff that feel valued and supported and you can provide high quality care but ottawa is not making the standards mandatory long-term care falls under the jurisdiction of provinces and territories ontario's goal for four hours per day direct care is 2025 The long-term care minister has previously committed to only reviewing the national standards.
4: I have no interest in watering down what Ontario is already
14: doing. The key is if we're going to actually see meaningful change, we need to ensure that these standards
13: are actually being implemented, that they become the basis of accreditation of all homes in Canada. The CEO of Advantage, which represents not-for-profit and municipal long-term care homes in Ontario, calls it an important first step, but says more funding and a national strategy for frontline staff is urgently needed.
11: We're having a health human resource crisis and it's very difficult to find and keep nurses and personal support workers and others in long-term care.
13: The government has set aside $3 billion for provinces to implement the standards if they choose to do so. ADVOCATES ARGUE THERE WON'T BE MEANINGFUL CHANGE UNLESS THE STANDARDS ARE LEGISLATED. MIKE WALKER, CTV NEWS.
1: BUFFALO'S FIRE DEPARTMENT IS MOURNING THE LOSS OF ONE OF ITS OWN. A 37-YEAR-OLD FIREFIGHTER DIED WHILE BATTLING A LARGE BLAZE TODAY. Crews were called to a downtown commercial building around 10 this morning after an explosion and fire. A short time later, a firefighter was reported missing following an internal structural collapse. All flags at county buildings will be lowered in his honor. Investigators are looking into report. Workers were seen with torches near the building under renovation.
2: Clashes erupted on the streets of Israel today as the government presses ahead with a judicial overhaul. The protesters are opposed to reforms that would give the government a decisive say in picking judges and limiting the scope of the Supreme Court. Opponents say the proposals greatly weaken judicial independence and are a threat to democracy. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu insists the changes will restore balance between the branches of government and boost business.
1: Meanwhile, in Norway, Greta Thunberg was detained twice today. THE ENVIRONMENTAL ACTIVIST WAS PROTESTING IN SUPPORT OF INDIGENOUS RIGHTS IN OSLO. POLICE EVENTUALLY REMOVED HER AND OTHERS FROM OUTSIDE THE FINANCE MINISTRY. THEY WERE DEMANDING THE REMOVAL OF WIND TURBINES FROM REINDEER PASTURES. LATER, THUNBERG WAS CARRIED AWAY BY OFFICERS DURING A DEMONSTRATION AT THE ENVIRONMENT MINISTRY.
2: A FIVE-TIME OLYMPIC CHAMPION HAS BEEN interim, NAMED INTERIM PRESIDENT OF CANADA SOCCER. Charmaine CROOKS IS BEING BROUGHT ON BOARD AT A CHALLENGING TIME FOR THE SPORTS GOVERNING BODY. It's in the midst of a labor battle with both the women's and men's teams. How long Crooks remains in charge depends on elections in May, if she decides to run. The Order of Canada recipient is replacing Nick Bontis, who resigned Monday, saying this moment requires change.
1: A new survey shows 6 in 10 Canadians feel they're being targeted more than ever by financial fraud. TD Bank shared the Maru Blue pool of more than 1,500 adults. Despite increasing levels of concern, 78% of respondents say they don't have a high degree of confidence in their ability to spot a potential scam. Nearly half say they're worried they'll be exposed to more financial fraud attempts as the cost of living rises. The Canadian Anti-Fraud Center reported a record $520 million lost across this country. When it comes to keeping the streets of your community safe, neighborhood watch programs are a popular tool.
2: However, there's now a new way to stay alert on crime across the GTA, and all you need is an email address. CTV's Raheem Ladani explains.
14: It's a calm and peaceful day in this Etobicoke neighbourhood, but this group of volunteers are hard at work. Can we get metrics on? The trio are part of a larger team who have created mycommunitywatch.org. So if you know that something's been happening on your street or a street over or a street over to that, you can say, hey, I'm going to lock my car up tonight or I'm going to double check my doors. What started out as a small email blast has grown into a free service anyone in the GTA can use to track criminal activity in their neighbourhood. For Sylvia Kwan, who's on a community police liaison committee, this service is extremely personal. We got broken
11: into while we were home, 10 o'clock in the evening. And this
14: is when I started saying, okay, well, let's share this with everyone in our community so that we know how to protect ourselves. This is how it works. First, go to the website and type in the location you want to monitor. Anywhere in Toronto, York, Peel, Durham or Halton. Choose the type of crime you want to be made aware of including assaults, auto thefts and break and enters. Select your neighbourhood range and how often you want to be notified. Finally, enter your email address and hit subscribe. It's also all
5: kept very securely and we don't share with anyone or any companies. This service would have
0: impact across boundaries and across communities.
14: In a statement to CTV News, Toronto Police say people being aware about what's happening in their own communities is always encouraged. We can't speak to this tool or its accuracy but it appears to use information from the Toronto Police data portal along with data from other cities. We'll get a unique ID down below which shows the, uh, the police identification number. for that. And that's exactly what this service does, creating awareness using verified data. So you want people to uh, get the right, right information, uh, factual information, and be able to act on, on, on real evidence and not speculation. More than 1,200 subscribers have already signed on to the service and there are plans to expand across Ontario and Canada. Raheem Ladani, CTV News.
1: Coming up, a night of discovery, live at the storied Elma Combo, where groundbreaking pediatric brain tumor research takes center stage the legacy of a little girl named Megan.
9: And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, it can be frustrating if you have an appliance breakdown, and it can be difficult to find someone to fix it. A Whitby man says he's been without an oven for 10 months, and the company can't tell him when or if it will be repaired. All of my report just ahead.
10: Not only is today the first day of March, but it is the first day of meteorological spring. Meteorological seasons are based on temperature cycles over the years. Many of us uh, celebrate the start of astronomical spring, which is based on the position of the Earth's orbit around the sun. A new month means new norms, and if you consider the first few days, you could say that this March is coming in like a lion, we'll talk about what looks to be a very snowy end to the week coming up. And stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV.
1: It's frustrating if you have a major appliance breakdown, down like a fridge, stove, or washing machine, and it can be difficult to know who to call to fix it.
2: Many people go online to find a repair company, but before you call someone... You may want to do some research first. Pat Foren has our story on Consumer Alert. Pat.
9: Nathan and Michelle, a Whitby man had a problem with his oven last May. He called the first repair company that popped up in an online search to come and fix it. But 10 months and $2,000 later, he still doesn't have a working oven.
5: The big hole is where the oven sh- should be.
9: Darren Horn of Whitby didn't think it would be such an ordeal to repair his fisher Paykel oven. Last May, when it started malfunctioning, he called the first repair company to pop up in a Google search.
5: They showed up and, you know, six or seven visits in, at about $600 worth of service, it still didn't work.
9: The company then told Horn it could sell him a similar refurbished oven for $1,350 and he agreed, but then it didn't work either.
5: It didn't shut off, it just kept... Heating up and heating up, we came down in the morning and the the entire kitchen was over 700 degrees.
9: The company took back both ovens and after Horn spent almost $2,000, he still doesn't have one.
5: They just keep dragging their feet saying, oh, we're waiting for a part, we're waiting for a part, just give us more time.
9: The company is Express Repair. It has many customer complaints and an F rating on the Better Business Bureau's website. A spokesperson for Express Repair told CTV News, We tried to assist the client in many ways. The appliance is very old and some parts were on back order. We tried to repair the appliance with the parts the manufacturer did send, but the repair was not successful.
4: I would recommend going to the actual manufacturer and checking their their website.
9: Consumer Reports has done many studies on appliance repairs. It recommends going directly to the manufacturer's website where you'll find authorized and approved repair
4: services in your area. If you go with an authorized dealer, you have a little bit of a backup because they back up their work. And also, they're more likely to get the parts first.
9: In the end, Repair Express agreed to refund Horn $910. He plans to buy a new oven after 10 months of waiting.
5: Because you're like, well, eventually they're going to fix it. That's the hope, right? That's the main hope is eventually they're going to fix it. But unfortunately not.
9: And if you have an older appliance breakdown, you may want to replace it instead of fixing it. Consumer Reports says don't spend more than 50% of the cost of a new product on an old one, especially if it's broken down before. On your side, I'm Pat
2: Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca.
1: Ontario's financial regulator is urging home buyers not to borrow from private mortgage companies without doing their due diligence. It can be easier to qualify with a private lender than at a bank or credit union, but there could be added fees or conditions. The Financial Services Regulatory Authority says more than 10% of mortgages brokered in 2021 in Ontario were private. And that trend likely sped up as interest rates and inflation have spiked. The FSRA says it's important for buyers to know what they're getting into.
2: And a quick financial reminder, time is almost up to contribute to your RRSP. The deadline is midnight tonight. Any contribution you make will reduce your taxable income for last year. But you can choose to carry the deductions into 2023 or beyond. All right, let's talk about that forecast the first of the month and still good weather to go outside and skate and do
1: something. I know, I saw a little, saw a little bit of sun today. Yeah. It seemed quite nice, but we are bracing for some more snow because Lindsay's been talking about it this week.
10: Yeah, even though we have tonight to talk about and Thursday, really our focus is on Friday because mm-hmm. this next incoming storm, I know, I sound like a broken record. This is our third big storm in about a week, mm-hmm. but uh, it's going to impact uh, many, many people across southern Ontario. Uh, we're going to take you through the forecast. There is still some considerable uncertainty when it comes to this particular storm as far as how much snow certain locations are going to get and what precipitation types there could be in there too. But we'll do our best to share with you what we know at this point to help you plan accordingly. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. No active weather for tonight aside from the risk of some freezing drizzle. And then tomorrow is looking like a pretty calm day overall. In fact, I'm even hopeful that we'll see some of the cloud cover break up and we'll enjoy some sun once again but heading into the day on Friday this is where things start to change a little bit Uh, let's set the forecast radar in motion we'll get right to it so here's tomorrow afternoon there's that cloud cover starting to dissipate somewhat hopefully we'll be enjoying some sun and then here's what's coming it's a Texas low and with this one we can expect uh, snow in many areas this particular model shows the snow beginning at around 3 p.m. in southwestern Ontario for us around the dinner hour again this is Friday there's 6 30 p.m. and then as we make our way through Friday night this is when we appear to be uh, in for the worst of it. Uh, Heaviest snowfall amounts could likely fall late in the evening on Friday into the early part of Saturday morning here's the tricky part if this low tracks a little bit further north we could get into even more mixing than what's suggested here so north of Lake Erie into Niagara perhaps for the west GTA once again if this tracks a little bit further to the south we'll tap into some colder air and that could up the snowfall totals for us here in the city of Toronto but right now temperature going to be right around freezing it will be a heavy wet snow some of that snow could compress a little bit and then there's about 7 30 Saturday morning so that That low departs just about as quickly as it arrived, but we will have some shoveling to do after the fact. Generally speaking, right now, we're forecasting between 10 and 20 centimetres of snow. This particular model shows uh, just about that here in the city of Toronto, but another model I was keeping an eye on showing significantly less. We're hopeful that the models will come to some agreement as we make our way into the day tomorrow. We also know that the winds are going to be very strong as we make our way into Friday night and early Saturday morning. That's going to contribute to some blowing snow and reduced visibility out there. Tonight's low, minus two degrees. Wind chill, minus five. Here's a snapshot of tomorrow. It's going to be a calm day, maybe a good opportunity to get the groceries done, fill up your gas tank again. Your Friday morning commute, not expected to be impacted the same way as the afternoon one. This is a Friday afternoon to Saturday morning storm situation. Forecast daytime high on Friday, one degree. Then we're mild for the weekend. Highs of around five for both Saturday and Sunday. Sunday, it will be drier, and we're looking at plenty of sunshine through the early part of next week. That's your look at the weather for now. Nathan, over to you.
2: All right. Thank you, Lindsay. After a few years on hiatus, organizers say Taste of the Danforth will return this summer.
0: 2022, they had all the other festivals all around, and Taste of the Danforth wasn't here, and it's kind of disappointing because this is probably the best street in Toronto for food, so I'm
2: very excited. The event is a staple of Toronto's summer calendar, shutting down the Danforth for a weekend of food, live music, and other attractions. The pandemic and logistical issues kept the festivities from going ahead the last three summers. Taste of the Danforth returns August 11th through the 13th.
15: Did Nathan just say food, live music? Well, I'm not on the Danforth. I'm on Spadina. I'm at the famed Alma Combo, where a charity event is going to be happening this night. It's happening right now. Megan's Hug, I'll tell you all about it after the break. Joni Mitchell
1: is in Washington, D.C. tonight, receiving a major award for her lifetime contributions to popular music.
15: I really don't know class. I really don't know
1: clouds at all. Mitchell is the first Canadian and the third woman to win the Gershwin Prize since it was established in 2007. A star-studded lineup of performers will honor her career tonight. And before the show, Mitchell was handed a flag that flew over the U.S. Capitol. Mitchell has said she's grateful for the honor.
2: Rock legends KISS say they're gearing up for their last shows ever. (laughs) The band's End of the Road Tour has been running since 2019 with interruptions because of COVID. KISS will now wrap up the tour with concerts across South America and Europe starting in the spring. They'll be back in Canada and the U.S. in the fall and Scotiabank Arena on November 22nd. KISS have scheduled their last two concerts at Madison Square Garden December 1st and 2nd.
1: The Megan Bebenek Foundation was inspired by a little girl who died of an incurable brain tumor more than two decades ago.
2: And tonight is hosting an event to raise funds for cancer research and to honor the minds behind groundbreaking scientific discoveries. CTV's Andrea Cajon and just live with more details. Andrea.
15: Good evening, Nathan, Michelle. I am downstairs at the El Macombo, uh the renovated El Combo, beautiful space. And it's not a rock concert tonight, even though uh, Porch Jam Trio is on stage right now. As you said, we're going to be honoring the doctors and the volunteers uh, who have made such a difference in so many people's lives. Uh, there's a live auction tonight, and of course, they are trying to raise money for research for pediatric brain tumors. Megan Bevanek died when she was just five years old, one month after she turned five. Uh, that was in 2001. Her mom, Denise, has spearheaded so many events. You may know Megan's Hug is now Megan's foundation. And this is what Denise had to say just a few moments ago. I think that, you know, change happens when we get loud and when we stand united for
1: um, kids who are our future, who need us. And I've been told people call Megan's Hug uh, humanity at its finest that uh, this is a true example of the power of our human spirit. When people drop their anything that they are worrying about and they just come together
15: in, in hope and in happiness to help others. Okay, so I'm in C- emceeing the event tonight, so I'm gonna be running away shortly to do that. I've got a co-host, Sandy, so I won't be doing all the heavy lifting. They're hoping to raise thousands of dollars tonight. Tonight, 11.30, we'll tell you how they did. Reporting live from the El Macombo on Spadina, I'm Andrea Case, I'll send it back to the studio.
7: STARS Tonight is brought to you by Last Man's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody.
1: Also tonight, as police announce the arrest of an alleged prolific predator, we look to the experts on how best to protect kids online, the red flags and rules to keep children safe.
5: There was like a guy with a gun and he was and another guy on like on the ground pointing at the gun at someone else.
1: Updating our top stories, two people have been arrested after a gun call led to the lockdown of a pair of North York schools. No injuries were reported and police are still searching for a third suspect.
4: I'm Greek
3: and I feel sorry for young people. There was only university students. It's sad. It's sad for the families.
2: Toronto's Greek community is sending support to their homeland following one of the country's worst ever rail disasters. At least 43 people were killed when two trains collided head-on last night. Investigation
0: is ongoing and we believe there are uh, more victims
1: 31 year old Daniel Langdon is facing nearly 100 charges in connection with an investigation into the luring and sexual assault of underage victims police say the alleged incidents happened between April of 2021 and this February investigators say the suspect targeted many victims via social media sites well, the online world allows children to learn and play easier than ever. But as you just saw there, there are dangers that come with its use.
2: CTV's Sean Lethon spoke to the experts and shared some tips on how to keep your kids safe from online predators.
12: While the intrusion of the online world into the lives of children may seem inevitable, there are ways to protect your kids.
13: I think a good starting point is to have conversations with your kids about the
12: apps that they're using. Stephen Sarr is the director of Cybertip.ca, an organization dedicated to protecting children from online sexual exploitation. Their website has tools to help parents educate kids about red flag behaviors from someone they're chatting with online.
13: Um, So they're consistently coming to the youth and saying, you know, send me a picture, send
12: me a picture. If you don't send me a picture, you know, I'm going to do this. And with resources to learn about things like sextortion.
10: But he just kept asking and asking. We'd been chatting for a while, so finally I said fine and just flashed once. I really liked him. Then he screen recorded it, even though he said he wouldn't.
12: AND IT HAS SOME RED FLAGS TO LOOK FOR IN KIDS WHO ARE USING SOCIAL MEDIA. IF ALL OF A SUDDEN THEY BECOME MORE RESERVED,
13: THEY ARE TENDING TO TAKE THEIR PHONE INTO uh, PRIVATE PLACES AND THEY HIDE IT RIGHT AWAY AS SOON AS YOU WANT TO HAVE A CONVERSATION WITH THEM.
12: MOST SOCIAL MEDIA APPS LIKE FACEBOOK, INSTAGRAM, SNAPCHAT, TIKTOK AND TWITTER HAVE AN AGE RESTRICTION OF 13 YEARS OLD, BUT SOME KIDS ARE FINDING WAYS AROUND IT. FOR PARENTS WHO WANT TO HAVE THAT CONVERSATION WITH THEIR CHILDREN ABOUT HOW TO PROTECT THEMSELVES ONLINE BUT DON'T KNOW WHERE TO START, there are some resources on the Toronto Police website that they can turn to. The social media tips section can educate parents and offer suggestions. You could have rules and restrictions in the house to not take it you know, into your room when you go to bed. Those are all little things that uh, I think can help. Some of the ground rules suggested are only follow people you know. Show an adult any message or post that makes you feel uncomfortable or threatened. Do not share personal information like your age, address or school. And don't share your password as well as turn off your location settings. And they offer advice for posting, like never publish anything you don't want your parents, teachers and grandparents to see. Think before you share, comment or send a message. And do not upload pictures of others without their permission. Many social media apps also come with settings to protect from sensitive content. While Stephen Sauer also says there needs to be strong regulation in place on social media apps to ensure they protect their young users. Sean Thong, CTV News.
1: And as that scrutiny increases, TikTok today announced new features to encourage younger users to cut down on their usage of its app. All users under 18 will soon be set to a 60-minute screen time limit per day, although the limit is more of a reminder that users can get around by using a password. TikTok also added more custom settings for parents and caregivers, setting screen time rules for kids.
2: On the markets, the loony was up about a quarter of a cent to 73.54 U.S. Oil added 64 cents to close at 77.69 U.S. a barrel. And the TSX gained 38 points to end the day at 20,259.
1: MetroLink is changing course on plans to build a rail yard in the Don Valley. The transit agency's plans prompted an outcry from local residents and environmental groups who called for the green space to be protected. MetroLink says it has since identified a new location. Planning work will now shift to a proposed site in an industrial area near York Mills and Leslie. Go trains will be stored on a stretch of track between Bayview and the DVP while planning and construction take place.
2: Just ahead, how a local community has come together to give a man in need a helping hand. From employment to donated goods and a roof over his head. The heartwarming impact of the kindness of strangers. Hi, Nathan
9: and Michelle. The
2: federal government has launched a study into UFOs. It's the first
13: known official Canadian study in nearly 30 years. Tomorrow we'll speak to a specialist in conspiracy theories to see if the truth is out there. And we'll be live at the International Centre in Mississauga checking out the latest in outdoor living at the Toronto Spring Camping and RV Show. That's tomorrow
14: on CP24 Breakfast, up first at 5 a.m. Tonight, the northern lights shining even brighter.
13: You don't need binoculars. You don't need a telescope.
0: Incredible views captured in Canada and the expanding reach of these dazzling displays. That story and more later on CTV National News.
2: You really never know what someone's going through and how simple acts of kindness can potentially change the course of someone's life.
1: Tonight, CTV's Beth McDonnell reports on how a community has come together to give a man a leg up.
6: <laughs> it's become a ritual. Every day, Brian Bannister's new employer, Danielle McDuff, picks him up and gives him a lift to his new job on her farm. Ready? Yep. From here, it's a quick zip out to the barn where Brian cleans stalls and feeds goats. The big ones and the little ones. You like doing this work? Yes.
11: Oh, I've done it. I used to do it about 40 years ago.
6: It's work the 60-year-old never saw coming. Three weeks ago, Brian was unhoused, living in a shed. In his life, he overcame addiction, survived abuse and lost two wives. One in a crash, the other to cancer. Over the past two years, he says he'd given up before this offer.
5: It floored me. It just came from the heart with her. And I got to thank her every day.
11: He's just so kind, compassionate. He is amazing with my children, my animals, my staff, and his willingness to help me. Here on the farm which is very, very much appreciated because it's not
6: easy. <laughs> Their story begins here outside the drugstore in town. Brian was reading and collecting change. Danielle decided to talk to him. That conversation lasted 25 minutes and Danielle invited Brian to work on the farm the next day. He belongs here.
12: <laughs>
5: I feel very happy.
6: The job, this partnership has become life-changing. After two years without a haircut, Danielle took Brian to the barber, helped him get a phone, provincial supports, and involved the community, raising money so Brian has food, clothes, and a hotel room to sleep. They are even eyeing a permanent room for him to live nearby.
7: It is just overwhelming. I can't believe anybody would care that much for me.
11: He has no idea what this has done for me. I've always tried to help when I can. It's not just about the money, some people need to just talk and if we could get everybody off the street ideally that would be my one wish but it takes a lot of people to come together and that's what has happened for Brian.
6: Oh you want another one? Oh yes. After tending to the goats it's on to feed the cows and check on the horses before a rest then back at it tomorrow. I'm so proud of you. (laughs)
2: <laughs> You've helped me out a lot, dear,
5: more oh. than a man can ever expect. Oh.
1: Beth McDonnell, CTV News.
2: Such a great story.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: We wish Brian
10: well. It's your weather forecast now, and there is some unsettled weather potentially tonight. To what extent? Tonight, you just really want to watch out for maybe a couple of slick surfaces, sidewalks, driveways, that kind of thing. Uh, Potential for freezing drizzle, mainly north of the city, but just be prepared for it around uh, much of the GTA. Here's a look at the current satellite and radar. We've had some snow areas well to our north and to our east. Very light in nature. Here's a look at your morning start for tomorrow. A mostly cloudy start to the day, followed by a breakup in cloud cover and hopefully some periods of sunshine tomorrow afternoon. It's going to feel chilly early on but the afternoon high is about four degrees so overall it's a pretty pleasant one enjoy it because things change significantly into the day on friday we are looking at measurable snow through friday night and into the first half of saturday nathan and michelle
1: thanks Lindsay. well that's it for us but be sure to join omar sachedina tonight at 11 for ctv national news followed by zoraida allman with our next local newscast at 11 30.
2: in the meantime our coverage continues anytime on cp24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca.
1: For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night. Good night.